In the name of the glorious Trinity, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, forever. Amen. Glory be to the everlasting mercies which sent you to us, O Christ, the light of the world and the life of all. Give us wisdom by your law and enlighten our impulses by your knowledge. Sanctify our souls by your truth and grant that we may be obedient to your words and may fulfill your commandments at every hour. O you who enlightens the rational with the knowledge of your greatness, do enlighten, O my Lord, our thoughts, that we may meditate upon your holy and divine scriptures at all times, O Lord of all, Father and Son and Holy Spirit forever. Amen. Double-Edged Sword, a Christian podcast ministry presented by Father Gennard Lazar. Father Gennard is a parish priest of the Mud Edda Parish of the Assyrian Church of the East in Turlock, California. Here's Father Gennard. A close friend of mine um, mentioned to me that he's quite amused when he hears the word cliché um, in regards to praying each time I mention on these uh, episodes that we need to pray. Uh, one of the solutions of every circumstance and issue is praying. But he went on to say um, and asked me if I could present a program or an episode on the the acts of praying. How do we pray? Um, what do we do? What do we say? How do we start? Well, there are two forms of prayer. Um, there are two acts of prayer, I may say. It's the personal prayer, the private prayer, as an individual, an individual Christian. And there is the prayer of the community of believers or Christians, which is the church. Now, the church has set liturgies, that is, uh, formulas, uh, order, uh, a form, for both of these acts of prayers, be it personal, uh, private, or a community prayer. Um, and the reason why is that so God is praised, is approached, that God is beseeched, uh, that God is searched for or seeked, if there is such a word. Um, God is communicated with in worship, in reverence, in honor, in confession that is found in order. We call in Assyrian Riza. You hear in the court when the the judge is pounding his gavel, order in the court, order in the court, and he warns that he will halt in contempt those who don't hold or honor the order in the court in his courtroom. You know, most of the judges will, will quote this, my courtroom. And why? Because there is going to be a judgment passed on the case that has been um, um, uh, heard how much more there should be order in the in the courthouse of the Lord that is the church or there should be order in our prayer life in our walk with Jesus Christ St. Paul writes to the Corinthians which had a very chaotic gathering in the church uh, in his first uh, epistle to the Corinthians chapter 14 verse 33 he writes, because God is not the author of tumult, that is, 
as the dictionary um, defines it, a loud, confused noise, especially one caused by a large mass of people. But our God is a God of peace, meaning order, tranquility, as in all churches of the saints. We see an order in the praises and worship of the angels as we speak in heaven, in the heavenly realms. Isaiah saw this in a vision and wrote it in chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. In the year that Uzziah, the king, died, or Uzziah, the king died, I saw the Lord God sitting on a throne, high and exalted, whose robe filled his temple, and seraphim were standing about him, or around him, above him, I'm sorry. Six wings to each one of them. We sing this in the liturgy of the Eucharist. The seraphim of fire and spirit, hallel, hallel. Come to church on an English service and you'll hear it in English. He writes, and seraphim were standing above him, six wings to each of them, with two covering his face, he's talking individually with the angels, and with two covering his feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling this one to another, or this one to that one. See, when you enter the church during a service, you see that there are two we call gude, doesn't mean walls, it means two companies, the left and the right, the first and the last. And one company recites uh, one part of the psalm and the other company repeat, uh, replies. One sings and the other sing. This is all from the vision of Isaiah. And they were saying, holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, for all of the earth is filled with his praises. See, one was saying to another in an orderly manner in a peaceful manner. Now, let me state that this does by no means discourage our individual private prayer in solitude or personal prayer between us and God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This doesn't discourage or do away with these uh, individual prayers at every time and every season and at every place. Some of the um, quick prayers, we call the Jesus prayer, for example, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, that's uh, that's theolo theological. There's theology behind that. But in, um, in Psalm chapter 70 or Psalm 70 verse 1, this is an amazing prayer. Oh God, hasten to deliver me. Hurry up. Hurry to deliver me, Lord. Oh Lord, hasten to my help. Be quick hurry to my help and my assistance, especially when we are down and we are in some difficult circumstances. But even during this prayer session, we can establish an order, as I said. During the prayer session, our private and individual prayer sessions, we can establish an order. And a great model is the morning prayers model. Uh, the morning prayers that are prayed uh, uh, at church um, and I'd like to recite and share with you the morning prayer of the ascension that is going up, ascending of our Lord into heaven. And let me share this with you. It's amazing. It goes like this. You, O glorious light from heaven, and it indicates, instructs that we should repeat. Why? Because when you repeat something, you're emphasizing. That's why Jesus repeats. 
Truly, truly, I say to you. Or, Amen, Amen. That means, yes, yes, I say to you. That is. That means, it is not negotiable. It is what it is. So when we say, you, O glorious light from heaven, and we repeat that it's not negotiable, it is. The splendor, brilliance of the exalted Godhead and light of incomprehensible divinity, whom the thousand of thousands, thousands of thousands, Revelation 5.11, stand before him, myriads, that is a countless or extremely great number of myriads serve his honor. Heavenly assemblies and fiery troops praise and glorify the hidden and unspeakable nature of his Godhead. Isaiah 6, chapter, verses 1 to 8. Each one has six sets of wings, and they bear many eyes and sits and exults on the fiery chariot. See, there is an act in this prayer, and this is how we begin our prayer, beloved. These words are words of adoration, admiration, adoring God. So when you come to pray, pray like this. Begin to adore God. It's an adoration of the reverence, of the sovereignty, of the holiness, of the supreme and unspeakable power and glory of God. Why must we begin with adoration? Why do the liturgical prayers all commence, most of them commence with adoration, adoring God? Does God need the service, service of his servants? Does he need our adoration? When we adore God, does his glory, sovereignty, power increase? No. But when we do adore him, it is for our own growth and faith and certainty. When you totally adore someone, you love someone, you respect someone, you admire someone, that person is not increasing, but when you want to show the love, you will show that genuine love. And it's also an instruction from God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, Israel, or listen, hearken, take heed, Israel. The Lord God, our God, Lord God is one. Love the Lord God, your God, from all your heart and from all your soul and from all your possessions. Admire and honor him. So start with adoration. Adoring God's holiness and righteousness. Not necessarily theologically and spiritually poetic words. No. The simple words that the Spirit will intercede and cause to come out of your mouth. Adore this Lord Jesus Christ. And once we have come to that adoration where we begin to feel that, Oh my, where am I entering? Whose presence am I entering? And in what state am I entering? In the fallen state, in a miserable state, in a sinful state, which brings us to the next session of our prayer, or next part of the prayer, which is to confess. Confess our weakness before the adorned God that we have admired. Confess our weakness, our sinfulness, our unrighteousness because of our sins and transgressions. This comes after admission that we are in need of the mercies and compassion of God.
admission, admitting that we are sinners. It's contrary to denial. You see, the prodigal son, the, the, the scripture specifically says, and when he had come to himself, come to his senses, he admitted, he was alerted, and then, and then knowing where he is is because of his foolishness, confessing that here I am dying here of hunger. Then he stands up and returns, there's a repentance, returns back to the Father. We've been promised, beloved, that when we confess and confess genuinely, remorsely, with tears, the Lord will hear and will forgive. The first epistle of John, chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And he will purge us from all our evil. And if we say that we have not sinned, look at what happens when we are in denial. We make him, that is Christ, a liar and his word is not within us. So right now, if you're thinking, well, me, Rabbi, if you only could see who you're preaching to or presenting this message to, me, the most dreadful of the dreadful, that if I confess sincerely, yes, will the Lord forgive me? Of course he will. Yes, he will. This is a promise. But after admiring, when you've admired God, you will have this confidence that the Lord is so gracious and he will forgive. By confession, beloved, we proclaim that in truth, O oh my Lord, we are not worthy, as we sing in the Divine Liturgy of the Holy Eucharist. By confession, we, are, we confess that we are not worthy to be counted as one of your children, as the prodigal boy stated or the prodigal son, but to be merely counted as servants who have no part in the inheritance. When we confess that we are sinners and fallen, we are confessing that we are not worthy to eat of your table of mysteries, the Holy Qurbana, but only to be allowed to receive the crumbs that fall of this table. We confess that we are not worthy to be entering into your presence, Lord, in prayer, but accept us from afar as you did with the tax collector. As the centurion said to Jesus, My Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say it in a word and my boy will be healed. However, Lord, however, with that confidence that we have been given through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that when we ask, it shall be given unto us. With that confidence, we come to you, Lord. One of the antiphons, which is a, a, a hymn, Ornita, we say, which is chanted during the, uh, the offering of the liturgy of absolution. And this antiphon is on the males. It states... The priest obviously chants along with the, with the deacons. The offenders and publicans you did not despise, O Lord. Neither did you cast them from before your face, O my Lord. For you have said that the healthy are not in need of physicians, but those who are severely afflicted. And we who have committed evil deeds before you and are stricken with illness in our souls request of you to have mercy upon us. How beautiful is that? So confessing that we are not worthy, Lord, but yet, yet we have confidence. 
And the next step is to give thanks to the Lord according to St. Paul's epistle to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6. But always in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known before God. Give thanks to God in any circumstance. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ among you. Give thanks in any circumstance, beloved. Even in suffering. Yes, suffering. After all, Jesus our Lord came to suffer, right? He didn't come to be glorified and to be served and to be hailed king. No, he would actually run away and accept, escape that vain glory. In Luke chapter 9, verse 22, we read, Jesus says, The Son of Man is going to suffer many times. He will be suffering. That's why I've come for suffering. Why? For our behalf and on our behalf. Give thanks that you have the Lord's ear. In Psalm 145, verse 18, we read, The Lord God is near to those who call to him in truth. So when we're praying and when we are adoring, admiring and confessing, remember the Lord is listening. This is what the scriptures are telling us. This is what God is telling us. Give thanks to God for his gracious gift of prayer. As I said, we enter into God's presence, beloved. Give thanks for the invitation that God has extended to us, to all the invitation God has extended to everyone in prayer. Isaiah 1.18, And come, says God, we shall speak. Listen to this, beloved. Guys, listen, stop. Here we go. Stop your washing. Stop your vacuuming. If you want to pull over, great. Stop and listen to it. Ponder on this. This is God Almighty, the creator of heavens and the earth, there is no power above the power of God, praise be his name. The sovereign, almighty, all supreme God. You know, when you mention these words, it's as though we are building an image of a God that is, woe and do not come to me. No, but look at what God says. This amazing, powerful, awesome God says to the puny man, come and we shall speak with each other. So if you think that God will not listen to you, there's your invitation. There it is. Come, we shall speak with each other. Not argue and punch on and go locking horns with one another. No, we shall speak, communicate with each other, says the Lord God. And if your sins will be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. And if they turn red as scarlet dye, they shall be as wool. Thank the Lord for this invitation. That we sometimes don't want to RSVP for it. We throw the invitation. You know where we keep this invitation? Under the pillow so that we can sleep and be protected. Yes, that is the Holy Scriptures. Or on the shelf on the bookcase. There is an invitation. Thank God. And thank God for nothing. Sometimes we must stop and say, Lord, thanks for nothing. Praise your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and forever. Amen. So we admire God, we confess our foolishness, we offer thanksgiving to him, and lastly, we supplicate. When I was quoting Philippians 4, 6, some of you must have thought, 
Rabi forgot the first part of the prayer. Well, I didn't. <laughs> I don't stand corrected. Here it is. But always in prayer and supplication. And with thanksgiving, let your requests be known before God. Supplicate. Beg the divine, holy nature of God for forgiveness. Begging. When we do this, we offer that true worship to God. All those who came to Jesus Christ fell on their knees and worshipped and were begging. Why? It confirms the divinity, the sovereignty of God. For you and I, not that because I confirm God's sovereignty, He is sovereign, no, for myself, so that I may know and appreciate and praise God for what I am about to receive. Supplicate forgiveness. That which was wrought on the cross by Jesus Christ on our behalf, in our human nature, beloved. You know, Jesus himself in Luke chapter 22, verse 44, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we read that he prayed earnestly in fear or in anguish to the point that his sweat was like drops of blood and it fell on the ground, earnestly supplicating. Not that he needed to pray and that he needed to supplicate, but on our behalf. You see what Christ did for you and I, beloved? You see what he did? But sometimes we are so, you know, sluggards and, and so complacent, so in a comfortable place that we don't even want to thank God for what his son did for you and I. It is at this point we also, beloved, humbly present our requests and needs. We have admired our Lord. We have confessed our sins. We have given him thanksgiving offered our thanks, ascribed our thanksgiving to him, and now we can present our requests. Ask, knock and seek, but keeping in mind, beloved, keeping in mind that we should pray, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, says Jesus in Matthew 6.33, when he's talking about food and clothes and relationships and marriage and work and finances god knows we need these god will provide them according to his perfect timing beloved god never forgets his promises you see he promised abraham that he was going to give him the promised land abraham didn't see the promised land abraham's seed saw the promised land now it's not that god didn't god broke his promise no god fulfilled his promise at the time according to his perfect will knowledge and plan so there are you, there's your acts of praying adoration confession thanksgiving and supplication and knowing that we have that confidence in our lord jesus christ the son of god and by the prayers of all the saints of the of the Lord who are supplicating on our behalf according to the book of Revelations we come and join them and supplicate and give thanks and confess and adore but we present everything to the glorious Father in the name of his glorious Son praise and glory be to his name and may God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit bless you all One last thing, please also don't forget to rate and review this podcast.
and share with your friends and family. If you'd like to suggest future episodes or give us detailed feedback, please visit the link in the description or on our Instagram, linktr.ee forward slash double-edged sword. God bless you all.